0: Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. Good to see you all in the auditorium this morning. Those of you joining us online, glad that you're here as well. It is a blessing to be together physically or virtually or however we do it these days. If you're old enough or if you're a big enough football fan, uh, Jimmy, you ought to appreciate this. You're an old guy who knows a lot about football. You might remember the names uh, Dick Butkus and um, Floyd Little, both in the Hall of Fame. Floyd Little actually just passed away a couple months ago. Um, Dick Butkus was the legendary linebacker, played for the Chicago Bears. Floyd Little played for the Denver Broncos. Both were like old school tough guys when it came to football. But Floyd Little says that the hardest he was ever hit in his life in a football game was by Dick Butkus but he was so proud he didn't want Dick Butkus to know that he was hurt, to know that it bothered him. So on one play, Butkus just laid him out, just depleted him. But Floyd jumped right back up and got right in Butkus's face. And he said, is that it? Is that all you got? I thought you were a tough guy. And Dick Butkus looked at him and said, Floyd, are, are you okay? He said, really, is that as hard as you can hit? I thought you were the hardest-hitting guy in the league. That was nothing. Butkus looked at him and said, Floyd, or... Are you okay? He said, yes, I'm okay. Why do you keep asking me if I'm okay? Because, Floyd, you're, you're in the wrong huddle. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, sometimes we as Christians, we find ourselves very confidently standing in the wrong huddle. I mean, we talk in a good game, and we look like we know what's going on, and we want everybody to believe that we've got it all figured out, but we're not where we're supposed to be. I want to spend the next couple weeks uh, back in the Old Testament, and I want to spend some time looking at one of the heroes of the Old Testament, uh, a guy by the name of Abraham, a man who really did change the course of human history. And I say we're going to go back to the Old Testament for a couple weeks, but really we're not just going to be looking back. I also want to use this series to help us look forward as well. Not just to to where, you know, things have been, but where we are and where we're headed. And I'm calling this series The Gospel According to Abraham because when you look at the story, Abraham's part of the story is so fundamental to the gospel story. And, of course, you don't have to be a theologian to know that God uses... Situations and he uses people and circumstances not just to get our attention, not just to teach us something about him, but also to teach us something about ourselves. And I think by going back and taking a look at this guy by the name of Abraham, I I think we can certainly learn things about God, but I think we can learn some things about ourselves as well. And I've entitled today's lesson So Close and Yet So Far Away. And I came across that picture of the little girl on the diving board that I thought was like perfect, because if you've ever had children, if you've ever taken children to a pool that has a diving board, you know they want to jump off the diving board, whether they can swim or not. They want to jump off the diving board, but when you put them on there, they suddenly realize, okay, maybe this wasn't such a great idea. You know, like Floyd Little, they don't want to get back off, but they don't want to admit they don't want to, but, you know, what do I do? Because they have this, uh, this combination of excitement and trepidation like the little girl there. You know, they know it's going to be exciting, they know it's going to be fun, exhilarating, but there's something very uncertain about the whole, uh, whole deal. And you can tell by that little girl's look. She is, she is so close, but she is so far away. There was a time when Abraham was so close to being where God wanted him to be, and yet he was so far away. And again, his story is a story that changed the course of human history. It's an Old Testament story, but I actually want to begin this morning in the New Testament. And I want to share with you the Hebrews um, commentary, Hebrew writer's commentary of this nomadic patriarch whose name eventually gets changed from Abram to... To Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. God comes to this man named, we're going to call him Abraham. I know his name was Abram, gets changed. But God comes to this man named Abraham, and God tells him, "I want you somewhere else." I think that's always been God's message. I think God's message has always been. I think God's message is still to us: "I want you somewhere else." You don't read any instance in the Bible where God comes to somebody and says, stay right where you are. Just keep doing right what you're doing. You've got it all figured out. Just maintain. You don't read that anywhere in Scripture. God is always calling us. God is a caller. God is a sender. God is calling us to go, to move. He never says, stay where you are, stay as you are. You can't follow God And stay where you are. I don't think it's possible. Abraham couldn't do it. Uh, I've got the New Testament uh, ending to his story there. Let's go back to the Old Testament. And let's see the beginning of his story. Go Back to Genesis chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I'll remind you that this guy Abraham, he's one of those people in Scripture that gets a nickname along the way. Now, we know Abraham Abraham as the father of the faithful. Very good. Okay, you're listening, some of you, a couple. The father of the faithful. And all through Scripture, Abraham is sort of lifted up as the kind of individual that has the kind of faith that God is really looking for. And one of the instances that we kind of keep going back to to prove that, faith, that Abraham was a faithful individual was because when God told him to go, Abraham went. Again, Scripture is full of expectations for us to go. Go for us to move. Read through Scripture, Old Testament and New. you'll, You'll read phrases like seeking, walking by faith, running a race, pilgrims on a journey. It's all just ways of saying go, move, do something. And God is calling us to go for the same reasons that He was calling Abraham to go. God wants us to go so he can bless us. It really is as simple as that. God wants us to follow him because God wants, us, God wants to bless us. And then not only does God want to bless us, God wants to use us. He wants to use us collectively. He wants to use me individually to be a conduit to all those blessings. Now, we've been blessed to be a blessing. We should be blessing other people as well. So God comes into our lives. He says, follow me. Because where you are right now, and I don't care where you are right now, but it's not where I ultimately want you to be. You're in the wrong huddle. You're on the diving board, but you're, you're not in the water. I want to bless you. I want to use you to bless other people, but you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to move. You're going to have to go. God is still a caller and a sender. To be saved is to be sent. If you've been saved, you have been sent. In fact, again, I'm telling you, it's impossible to stand still in our Christian walk. We can't just maintain. We're either getting closer to the heart of God or we're drifting away from the heart of God. I heard someone say that Christians never get to trade in their walking stick for a rocking chair. And that's... Pretty much right. You know, there never comes a time in our lives where we get to say, okay, that's, that's it. You know, I've done it. This is as far as I'm going. This is where I stop. But sometimes that's exactly what we say. Just like Abraham. It's an interesting verse in the 11th chapter of Genesis. Uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur the Chaldeans to go, notice where they're going, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. They're on their way to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, (laughs) against my better judgment... I am going to share with you a little bit of a geography lesson. And I say it's against my better judgment because I know how much people hate geography, right? Um, That category in Jeopardy, we all stay away from it, right? Yeah. Sunday school teacher asked a little boy, said, Johnny, what can you tell me about the Dead Sea? He said, I can't tell you anything about the Dead Sea. I didn't know it was sick. We don't like geography, right? But I'm going to share with you a, a little bit of a geography lesson quickly because it's really important to the story. Okay? If you've got a Bible, if you actually still use a, a physical Bible, there's probably some maps in the front in the, end, in the back of it. This is actually a picture of a map that's in my Bible. Of course, if you're using your phone, just Google it. You know, you'll get it quicker even. But um, Abraham is living down here in Ur the Chaldeans. Uh, that's right where the Tigris and Euphrates River empty into uh, the uh, Persian Gulf. It's called the Fertile Crescent. So you already know, even if you don't know anything about geography, you know that's a pretty good place to be from. You know, if you, especially if you um, have flocks, lots of water, lots of grass, not too bad. Up here is a place called Heron. To travel from Ur up to Heron. I just learned there's a pointer on this thing, by the way, this week. Uh, To travel from here to here, it's not too bad of a trip. Lots of grass, lots of water. It's a pretty easy trek. So they travel from down here to Ur, up to Heron, but something happened when they got to Heron, something that almost trumped the call of God. And Scripture seems to indicate that maybe it's the stubbornness of Abraham's father, Terah, that that caused this uh, hiccup along the way. Now, you get uh, up here to Haran, and when you start getting close to that part of the map, the water starts to run out. And you start to run into a lot of sand. So maybe it was Terah that said to his son, Abraham, you know what, I'm an old man, and I've walked a long way. This is it. This is as far as I'm going. No, it's not too bad right here. There's still water. There's still grass. I'm not going to go any further. You know, this, this is good enough. Son, this is where we're going to settle down. And something happens to Abraham's call. And I think it's the same thing that, that happens from time to time with our call as well. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, this idea of partial obedience, How many of us, we've left Ur, we're headed to Canaan, we're headed to the promised land, but we've stopped in Haran, and we've just decided close enough, far enough, and we just settle. I'm telling you, it's one of Satan's greatest lies. It is one of Satan's greatest deceptions. Hey, you're not where you used to be. You're a lot farther along than a lot of other people are. Don't get all overboard with this thing. Don't get too excited. Just settle down. Make your home in Heron. This is far enough. Don't go any further. Here, I came across this. there's a fad that's kind of sweeping the country, apparently. It's called the slow bicycle race. Have you heard about this? This is my kind of bicycle race, it looks like. Um, the rules are pretty simple. You get on a bicycle in a lane. When the gun goes off, the one who f- travels the least amount of distance wins. So the whole idea is to go as little of uh, 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 distance as possible. If your feet touch the ground, you're out. If your bike goes out of the lane, you're out. So the, the goal is really to balance there as best you can... And go the least amount of distance. See, I can train for that. You know, any Christians like that? You know, we're in the race, but we've sort of settled. We're in a race, and we'll use that terminology, but we're not making much progress. We're just trying to stay in our lane. We're just trying to stay balanced. Let's not get too excited about making progress. In fact, let's just kind of maintain. You know any churches like that? That's Heron. That's one of Satan's great deceptions. You know, partial obedience, it's an oxymoron. Pretty ugly. Congressional action, you know, they don't make sense. Partial obedience doesn't make sense. Partial obedience is disobedience. And we understand that on every level of our lives. But somehow we don't make the jump spiritually. Everywhere else in our lives, we understand that partial obedience is disobedience. Now, if you were to tell your son or daughter, I want you to go into the kitchen, I want you to open up the trash can there, take the trash bag out, tie it up, take it out to the backyard, put it in the big can, take the can down to the road and an hour later you come in and there's a tied up bag of trash by the back door would you call that obedience I wouldn't I bet you wouldn't either your child might hey it's not in the kitchen anymore hey it's tied up it's a lot closer to the road than it was but until my child does all that I ask them to do they haven't done what I've asked them to do and we get it until we've done all that God has commanded us to do, we have not done what God has commanded us to do. Oh, most people, and I think probably most of us, we struggle with some heron in our lives. We struggle with something in our lives where basically we tell God, okay, this is as far as I'm going on this one. Now, I'll go further on some other things, but on this particular thing, this is close enough for me. I've made some progress, but I'm drawing the line right here, God. You know, maybe it's your finances. Well, I know all those verses about God loves a cheerful giver. I know all those verses about, you know, how we're, you know, we're blessed to be a blessing. And, but I'm drawing the line right here. I'm not going there. I'm certainly not going to give sacrificially. I'm certainly not going to tithe, you know, th- this is my heron. I'm just drawing the line here. Maybe it's your sexuality. Okay, I'm in a relationship that I know is not honoring God, but it, I'm not moving from that. You know, I'm not going to give up those images that I look at on my phone at night or in the middle of the day. You know, I'm just not going to go there. I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to leave it right here. Maybe it's some other sin that we just, we're not giving up. We're not moving. Maybe it's the, our, our decision, know, I'm just not going to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm, I'm not going to brag about Jesus. I'm just, I'll do other things, but no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Most of us have a heron. Some aspect of our lives where we can say, I've made some progress. I'm farther along than I used to be. In my heart, I know I'm not where God's called me to be, but I'm going to settle right here. Here's where I'm going to stay. And the question then becomes, how do you get through that? How do you get past heron? How do you keep moving from where you say, okay, here's where I'm going to settle. How do you work through that? A couple of thoughts. Very simple, but, uh, but I think worthwhile. The first is we've got to remember and understand we're called to walk by faith not by sight. You think about this story of Abraham. We all know the story of Abraham. I know my audience. We know the story of Abraham. We know how it begins. We know the middle. We know the end. Abraham didn't know the story of Abraham. He didn't know. He didn't know one day he'd be called the father of the faithful. He didn't know he'd be known for being a faithful man. He just knew God said, hey, I want you to leave. I want you to go. That's all he knew about that start of his story. Uh, verse 8 of Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Abraham was walking by faith. And I'll tell you why it's so hard for so many of us to walk by faith. It is because we are control freaks. We just are. I don't want to take the first step till I know where the last step is going to lead me. I don't want to start down a path unless I know exactly what's going to happen along the way and I want to know where this path is going to end. Now, I, I, I'm not going to step out uh, trusting God to do something that you know, he said he may do. Uh, nope, not going to do that. Now, I mentioned our finances. You know what? I'll get serious about giving when I get that pay raise. As soon as God blesses me with a uh, promotion, then I'll start giving. God, you give me that first, then you can count on me. I mentioned toxic relationships. Hey, what assurances do I have if I give up this relationship that some pure, committed relationship is going to come my way? If I get out of this toxic, uh, sinful relationship, I don't know. have another relationship God you send that perfect person to me then I'll tell this person you know see ya control freaks we're actually next week we're going to talk a lot about control freaks so I'm giving all you control freaks a week to get ready (laughs) Just, just a heads up I'm telling you but we're called to walk by faith not by sight Oh, faith is such a Bible word. We all, you know, we all have a definition of faith. Here's my simplest definition of faith. is faith for dummies. Faith is trusting in God simply because you're convinced that God is good. Why do you do what you do, you weird Christian? Because <laughs> I'm convinced that God is good. Why don't you do all the things that everybody else does, you strange guy? I'm just convinced that God is good. I am convinced that God wants to bless me and not curse me. I am convinced that God wants the best for me and my family. God says, I don't want you to settle. I don't want you to stay where you are. I want you to go. I want you to grow. I want you to mature. Why, God? Why? (laughs) So I can bless you. Do you think I want to hurt you? Do you think I'm calling you to do something so I can punish you? Do you think by obeying me I'm going to make your life miserable? I don't want to make your life miserable. I want to make your life wonderful. I want to make your life fulfilling. That's why I'm calling you to go, to follow me. I want to bless you. I want to use you to bless others. You know, control freaks have a really hard time making it to the promised land. God's looking for people who will say, here am I, send me. No strings attached. We walk by faith, not by sight. Second thought, you have to travel light to follow God. Now, God told Abraham to give up all his past securities, all of those things that he put his trust in, all of his past idols. And the question that Abraham had to ask himself is, the same question that we sort of have to struggle with in our lives as well. Is this God worthy of me surrendering all my other gods? Now, I've got to make that decision. Is God worth more to me than all these other things that are worth a lot to me? Because I've got a lot of things in my life that are, that are worth a lot to me. Is God worth more? It's the question we've got to deal with. Is God worth more to me than some relationships? Is He worth more to me than my personal ambitions and, you know, my possessions? i got Hebrews 12 on there, you know, on the screen. Obviously, God demands that we get rid of anything that slows us down, that hinders us from following Him. This is right after Hebrews 11, obviously, right after that... Uh, hall of faith therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith all those men and women that the Hebrew writer talks about in chapter 11 let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us let us move let us go somewhere let us travel to where God wants us to be we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Following God means I have to have the willingness to get rid of anything, everything, even the good things, even the noble things, even the the worthy things, all those things that get in the way of me living a life in the flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, you hear me say this pretty often. I think God's up to something. I'm convinced that God is up to something. Here in this place, in, in my life, I think God's up to something. I think God wants to get our attention, collectively and individually. I think God is trying to get your attention. You know the problem? So is everybody else everybody's trying to get your attention. Everybody wants a piece of your time and your family and your talents and your job and your hobbies. Pretty soon, there's not enough of my attention to go around, right? There's always somebody whispering in your ear. The voice that you're listening to, if if you feel like your faith is stuck, the voice you're listening to is the wrong voice. If you feel like, you know, I'm just stuck, spiritually, I haven't gone anywhere lately, I haven't moved, I haven't, I haven't grown, you're listening to the wrong voice. We need to walk by faith, we need to travel light, and then obviously we need to refuse to settle, which is a little bit challenging for us Americans, because really from a pretty young age, we sort of get the, the message that we are to settle down, we need to grow up and settle down. Now someday you'll get married and settle down. And then you get married and you look forward to that day that me and my wife retire and we can settle down. You know, in our culture it seems as if settling down is kind of the goal. Read Scripture. Settling down isn't the goal. It's the problem. <laughs> We're not supposed to settle down. Look back at Hebrews eleven fifteen. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they're longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. verse is talking about a whole list of men and women who refused to settle. There is an age-old preacher story. I'm hoping it's so old that some of you haven't heard it before. Somebody actually put this story to a poem but the story is about a duck who flies over a barnyard one day and he looks down and he sees these domesticated ducks in the barnyard and he kind of lands there to see what's going on and he looks around and he realizes these guys have a pretty good life. I mean, this farmer comes out every day and he, he feeds them and they're safe in this pen here and they're protected from their uh, predators and, you know, this, this is a pretty good deal And so this duck decides to spend the the winter there in the barnyard, getting fed by the farmer and protected from the predators. And when spring rolls around, he looks up and he sees a flock of wild ducks flying overhead, and something stirs in his spirit. And he realizes, that's what I was created to do. That's who I was meant to be. And he tries to take off to join those wild ducks in flight, but he can't because he's gotten so fat and he's gotten so lazy. And the end of the poem is like this. He's a pretty good duck for the shape he's in, but he's not the duck he could have been. How tragic would it be to get to the end of our lives and say it was a pretty good life, but it wasn't the life it could have been. It wasn't the life that God called me to live. If you feel like you're stuck spiritually, you need to ask yourself, why? Why am I stuck? What have I chosen to settle for? If you feel like I'm so close, but I'm so far away, what's my heron? Where have I decided this is close enough, less than what God is offering If you have been saved, you have been sent. Sent where? God would say, to where I tell you. What's going to happen on the way? I'll let you know. Is it going to be difficult? Perhaps. What's going to be at the end of the road? Something much better. (laughs) Will you be with me? Every single step of the way. We can't settle. We can't stop. It takes the faith of Abraham. And Abraham wasn't some superhero. He was just a man who decided, I'm going to trust God. This morning, we're going to get back to doing something that we sort of got away from during the pandemic. Um, we're going to sing a song here in just a minute. I used to call it an invitation song, right? Um, those of you joining us online, um, after this song is sung, there's going to be a, a link that you can uh, go to if you would like to get in touch with someone here about specific prayers in your life. You can do it anonymously. You can, you can ask uh, for someone to get in touch with you, but there'll be a link there. But after this song, we're, we're going to say goodbye to our online audience But we're going to invite anyone in the auditorium here. If you you just need the prayers of your church family, something going on in your life, that I'd just like my church family praying with me and for me, I'm going to invite you to to meet us down here at the front of the auditorium. It's just going to be us. It's not going to be out there online somewhere. It's just you and me and God. Um, But if we can pray with you or for you about anything, we'll we'll invite you to come while we sing this, this song.